Welcome to Oop, a podcast. Today is episode 45. The last podcast to recap the regular season and why, wow, oh wow, or my, oh my, the Gophers beat the Badgers along with other key items of Black Monday following the regular season and a few other items as well, along with some potentially bull predictions. So today we have a very action-packed episode and featuring uh, some of your uh, guest hosts and uh, OG hosts, myself, Jason, along with. All right, along with Griffin Most. And then Soup and Keegan. Say hi, you two. (laughs) Hi. We out here. And uh, to get started, actually, I do want to recap first a couple of go for sports item guys before we move on. I know we're excited to talk about the um, win on Saturday, but looking ahead here, uh, women's hockey uh, is now ranked fifth in the country right now uh, with Taylor Heisey and um, Hemp uh, earning uh, WCHA honors this week. Um on other items, tonight starts the Big Ten ACC Challenge for basketball. Uh, and right now, I believe our men's basketball team is currently 5-0, and starting kicking off that series or challenge uh, against Pitt, who is currently 2-5. and So go, uh, hopefully uh, cheers to Ben Johnson and our Gopher men's basketball team to get the victory. Um, men's hockey last weekend uh, split the seri- uh, split their game series against North Dakota, winning the first night and losing the second night. Um, but still somehow ranked in the top 10 in the polls. Uh, and I think that's pretty much it, unless anyone, anyone else has anything to recap about our beloved Gopher Sports that's not football-related. Crickets. <laughs> I don't think they have that. Anyone else, like flabbergasted at our 5-0 and men's basketball team? Yes. Uh, they're playing Pittsburgh right now, and they're tied, but I don't know. Like, they play good defense. They're they're well-coached. They execute. I'm just... I'm just I ex- my expectations were literally the floor. <laughs> so our this is basketball is so weird, though. True, and I will note, though, um, looking at the schedule, like the first five games, though, those were actually reasonable games to win. I just think when we get to Big Ten play... It's going to be um, a rough ride. <laughs> but that's just me. But great. That's a quick recap of Gopher Sports. But looking ahead, recapping the last regular season game of the season, rivalry weekend, Thanksgiving weekend, your Golden Gophers defeated at the time the number 14th ranked Wisconsin Badgers, 23-13 to 13 at the bank, where the f- crowd fans rushed the field to get our beloved Paul Bunyan's axe, an axe we haven't won since 2003 at home. And and just so you guys know, 03 was when we saw the Metrodome. Oh, yeah. Yep. That is forever ago. I didn't even know who the Gophers were then when I was living in, I was living in Chicago. I lived in Minnesota young, and young, didn't even know. Was he a young pup? We were all young pups. Uh, but I'm going to round off some few quick stats, guys. Um, again, we won the game 23-13. to 13. Uh, In terms of total yards, the Gophers had more at 274 versus Wisconsin's 233. Both teams each had one turnover. Uh, time of possession, uh, I'd say it's pretty equal. Minnesota had 30 minutes and 10 seconds versus Wisconsin's 29 minutes and 50 seconds. Um, and in terms of first downs, pretty equal as well. Wisconsin's 17 versus our 16. Um, but for individual stats, 
um, Tanner Morgan uh, had 11 uh, receptions completed out of 16 uh, for 199 yards, one TD, and one INT, uh, with a long being 36-yard reception, and, uh, and took three sacks that game versus Graham Mertz, who had uh, was 21 of 38 for 171 with one INT. Uh, for our rushing attack, Kai Thomas had 18 carries for 55 yards. Bucko had four, uh, four, uh, 12 for 40. Um, Tanner had about 5 for 7. Uh, for receptions, Brevin Span 4 led the way uh, at 3 for 62. Behind us, Bucko at 2 for 39. Crab at 2 for 37. Dalen 1 for 27. Daniel Jackson 2 for 26. And Mike Brown Stevens 1 for 8. Um, I believe Wisconsin's lead rusher was uh, Braylon Allen, 17 and 55. Danny Davis was a lead receiver at, at 5 for 60. Um, defense had a solid day with Jack Gibbons leading the way uh, with total tackles. Um, Mark Crawford only had three punts this game. Um, then looking ahead as well, Matt Trinket uh, had three field goals. All were good. Uh, so was 100% on that and also 100% on PATs. Um, so where do you want to start, guys, about how this game went? Hats off to Joe Rossi. My God, six points. That's it. Literally that, and the fact that Wisconsin's five-star QB recruit averaged four and a half yards a throw, um, that's horrendous, and just proves how um, Tanner Morgan and how efficient he was. He threw half the passes, essentially, as Graham Mertz, and he still had more yards. Like yeah, that, ten, 10 air yards per attempt and 12 yards per attempt. Mm. It's straight. That's just straight sad. But it was it was kind of funny to look at when you have the passing, rushing, and receiving. They're all pretty even for the most part. But, again, Wisconsin wasn't efficient in about anything that they did no. and did not scheme very well, whereas the Gophers, especially Joe Rossi, schemed. Well, I guess credit to the offense here for the Gophers too, but – they definitely designed some offensive packages and actually were like reading what Wisconsin was giving them on defense. Yeah, they knew that uh, Wisconsin was going to get aggressive uh, when they started. They st they finally brought back the RPO game, which was great to see. <laughs> um, and it, it was really interesting because a lot of the time you could see that like they were just attacking the RPO. They were basically going to try and make Tanner get the ball out of his hands as fast as possible. They wanted to get after him right away. And Tanner said, okay, and just started chucking it downfield. Instead of looking for your little check downs, your slants, you know, your drag unders and stuff like that. He was, he had, if you, if they showed man and they showed single coverage, he was putting the ball out there just right away. And I think that's something that um, he was a little hesitant to do, especially bouncing back from an interception. For most part for the year, once he would, if he would have a pick early in the game, they would kind of bottle him up for the rest of the game. Not, not last Saturday. Last Saturday, you know, you fluke interception. I'll say um, that gets returned for a touchdown because you're already, you know, basically right after a kickoff. So that's going to happen. You know, defense makes plays too, but they didn't back down after that. They let him. They let him loose. I think that was crucial. Yeah, I think just just the offensive scheming in general was for the Gophers was the major difference in this game. I know 
when we played last year um, and even in 2019 before that. Uh, Wisconsin, we know they like to bring the pressure, but they were bringing some delayed um, blitzes, whether it was like linebackers, potentially safeties, because they were assuming Tanner's going to throw, you know, a slant. And then they want to kind of disrupt that and make them make a different choice. But you saw what happened when you had Brevin Span Ford and Bucko Irving. Um, they would literally just run off the line or out of the backfield. And wherever that blitz was coming from, there was nobody there to defend them. And that's why they're ripping off those 30-yard, 40-yard throws because Wisconsin vacates the area of the field that they don't think he's going to throw to. And then they design these great play-action um, packages off those blitzes. So, I, I mean, this was just great offensive performance by the Gophers, and I don't see how Mike Sanford had anything to do with this. <laughs> yeah, and and they converted... They converted those big, those big third downs, those second and shorts to keep keep drives going. They they were efficient and they executed. And I think what was most important was that they they executed in the red zone when they needed to, right? There, I mean, they kicked a they kicked what three field goals, right? Trickett was what three for three from field goals, two for two from extra points. You know, great day by him for somebody who's kind of been. I mean, he's been solid. He's had a solid year statistically, but he was kind of up and down when it came to you know, the timeliness of his kicking, but he was, I mean, he was stone cold on Saturday and, um, you know, a lot of uh, me, myself, like when, when Trickett goes out there to, for them to go up 10, which, you know, is eventually what decides the game, you know, I'm a, I'm a little nervous, but credit to him, you know, he bangs it through. So, I mean, they just, they were efficient. They executed when they needed to, right. They get the Justin Wallian interception right after the half. So it's Wisconsin's first drive of the second half. They get the ball back. You essentially take that away. You you take that that drive away immediately coming out of the half with that great play from Wally. And how many times have we watched them this year, you know, squander those opportunities away and not come away with seven there? And they came away with seven there. And, and you know, that's that was that was what put the momentum forward for them. I love you mentioning Wally because I think that's, just a great play, not only, I think, mostly by Wally, because Wally, when <clears throat> Wisconsin's on the line, he's about seven yards deep off the receiver, so trying to get Graham Mertz to throw a short out route to the sideline, which is exactly what he tried to do. So he baited Mertz into throwing that short route, and then he jumps it. Um, that's something that we, I don't think, have seen before. It's either you're up on the line and it's man-to-man, or you're just playing it back and giving them the short ones. Like this was exceptional work by Rossi, um, giving him that cushion, cushion coverage pre-snap, fake his deep drop, and then boom, Bates merges and is at, and just fights for the ball and yeah, makes the play. Because they were giving them that, um, they were giving them that all first half was the thing. The whole first half, all of Mertz's real production came on these seven, eight yard outs on these cushions. And they were just kind of, you know, Rossi basically said, we're not going to give you anything down the field. We're going to load up the box. You're not going to run the ball. You can dink and dunk all you want. Eventually, you're not going to you're not going to convert. And that's fine. We just don't care. And, you know, they come out of the second half and Wally hits his drop on that on that hook zone and just drives the ball, gets in front of the receiver and pulls it away. I mean, that kid, 
that kid's going to be good. I mean, that's a true freshman. I think I think I looked at this before. I had his stats up. I'm a huge fan. Um, he's an amazing talent, man. I, he's I, he's mm-hmm. good. Um, he led the team in passes defended this year with six. I'm led the team with pass defended, two fumble recoveries, defensive touchdown, the only one of the year it looks like, uh, one forced fumble as well. So he's an he's exciting man i think number zero i think after this season he's gonna have what two more years of eligibility uh before he goes to the nfl if he does decide that route but i say we have a very great talent for us in the next uh, few years remaining and yeah you know i think that's what we were missing too because we lost anton winfield jr post 2019 too so i'm just excited that we have a defensive back who has so much great talent and you know prowess and on the field so Number zero was fun to watch, man, despite some of those calls during the game. But I don't care anymore because we won. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think was, that was like the big question for Joe Rossi after losing, uh, you know, Antoine Winfield and that talented group with Carter Coughlin and, and Cashman and those guys that, you know, were already in place before they got here was who are who are they recruiting? Are they developing players, you know, to come up next? And I think. I think um, I think those doubts have been answered. If you look at guys like, I mean, you know, look at Asesi turning a corner this year. Look at them finding Jack Gibbons in the portal. Mariano played way better this year. Um, Tyler Newman was solid, you know, really solid safety this year. And, um, you know, they've shown that they've got guys and they're developing talent and they're coaching well on that side of the football. And I will say that I know defense had a great day, but also uh, offense was pretty solid. They did what they needed to to win the game. But I will note a few key plays um, that got me excited, actually. So this is essentially right after the Justin Wally interception. Um, so Tanner uh, throws a pass to Brevin Spanford to the 2-3 yard line. Again, they blitzed him. Um, uh, Brevin was wide open and went, ran down the uh uh, ran down the field to the red zone but then the next key thing was my favorite uh lineup which was oh, is, was that nine offensive linemen no eight offensive line eight offensive line with a yeah. tight end with tanner and kai uh on the, the eye formation on the eye formation offset and we did the math for you those of you listening or watching we did the math of all the guys lined up for protection minus tanner and kai that is 2,810 pounds of people pushing at that Wisconsin line. Uh, and then, of course, Kai runs it in on the outside zone uh, for into the end zone for a touchdown. With the PAT, we're now up 13-10. I'd say that was a very great, crucial play. Uh, but also, as well, I was like, hey, I like this. And I think, I forgot who it was. I think, I don't know, it was you, Soup, or was it uh, Andrew Durkot who posted it on Twitter like, if you still have NCAA 14, this is the particular play you can use in the game. Uh, I forgot what the play was. It wasn't me because I can't – I got no reception in the stadium, so okay. I can't tweet. <laughs> so it's probably uh, Durkot. Probably, probably for the best. Yeah. Um, and then a second key play was actually uh, – I I know we like to rave about our running backs, how hard they run, how well they run, and, and keep training their legs uh, as classic Minnesota uh, uh, run, running backs do. But I do want to mention the blocking. Um, 
particularly on the second touchdown of the game. So to Chris Oppen Bell. Uh, so essentially, Kai Thomas picked up the blitz. So number 57, the linebacker, was about to rush through the gap between the guard and the center because they have their own gaps to fill with linemen up in their face. Kai picks it up, literally smacks him and like pushes him down to the ground to the to his right, but still enough time for Tanner to, you know, re- make the read, toss the ball to Chris who did the rest right tiptoeing down the uh, edge of the sideline there at the end for the touchdown. And of course, uh, I will say Wisconsin's two defenders, their safety and one of the corners, ran into each other, so there's no one in the back end to defend. But uh, besides that, Kai and Bucko did a very great. I believe more towards Kai did a very great job blocking this game too, especially on those blitzes that protected Tanner, gave him time, gave him a clean pocket to throw the ball. Um, so I do, I do want to mention that I think some of our running backs, what they did that game, along with some of our receivers, were also some unsung heroes. Just, doing great blocking uh, and, and and giving some protection against the Blitz. I know there's some where they um, sack Tanner. Again, he took three sacks this game. But other than that, uh, it was a solid, great day for our running backs at the blocking game, too. I want to just credit Coquif, too, on that same play you're referencing. Coquif mm-hmm. was on the edge um, on the other side of Falele. And um, he, he was – he had basically would have been – <clears throat> unblocked to the quarterback had he not been there, but just hold, just Coquit holding him off enough, uh, because Tanner probably would have been blindsided by that. Mm-hmm. That too, I forgot to mention Coquit on that uh, particular play as well. But uh, I, I'd say for me, it was just the great blocking. I know there uh, we did give up three sacks, but other than that, O line played solid. Uh, our RBs and tight ends were hella good when they were needed for the blocking game too. So I just do, I do, I do want to give kudos to the guys in the trenches because um, mm-hmm. you know we yeah always... Bre- Brevin had a great game. Yeah. Brevin span forward a great game blocking. He also had you know some very very timely receptions. Like he was he was the safety valve that I think everybody wanted to see this season. And I think it's a shame that it, uh, he didn't get as much run as he probably should have this this season because i mean you just saw how effective he was when teams are selling out for the run he's just exploiting them it's great mm-hmm. um i know keegan you've been quiet you have anything to share i know you and super at the <laughs> game so yeah i've been pretty quiet i could i did not get a chance to rewatch the game because my seats are in the end zone which is fantastic but this just i i really want to go back and like rewatch uh our offense with the Bowling Green game, because this just feels like a completely different just mindset of blocking up front compared to that game. And just, like, I was just blown away with how the offense was doing in the trenches this that the entire game. I don't know. I was just blown away. It was so exciting to finally see them honestly be somewhat competent and fun to watch up front. Yeah, I will say that, too. I know, I think... Wyatt and Griffin gave me shit for this uh, when I made my pr- uh, pregame prediction last week. Uh, where is it? I said we would win 38 to 21. <laughs> uh, and they thought I was drinking like too much Kool Aid that night. Um, but no, that's how excited I was because uh, I know we took a shitter against Bowling Green on homecoming and then again against the Illini uh, that, uh, this past season. But I think um, knowing PJ, 
especially uh you know the loss of Iowa as well we didn't get our business done and with the potentially we, we could still win the Big Ten West outright if Nebraska had won hint hint how the fuck did you blow <laughs> a three a three score lead into the fourth quarter oh yes you're Scott Frost never mind um that was the first thing I said, man. We're, I'm jumping up and down, hugging my buddy Xander, who I sit at the games with, and I just look at him and I go, "Fucking Scott Frost, son of a literally." <laughs> yeah, but other than that, like I, I was, I knew it was gonna be a dogfight. I know that was a dogfight with Iowa and also a dogfight with Wisconsin. I think we played a clean game, and I think Griffin mentioned that in YouTube soup. Um, I think Mike Sanford's input in this game, like I, of course, we saw the Mike Sanford developing plays as usual here and there so many fades yeah fades which um but i think you guys are right because uh as to let our fans know if you guys haven't been keeping up with the news offensive co-offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach mike sanford jr would not be returning after two seasons with the golden gophers um as oc uh still no word yet on who's going to take over that role uh full-time or there's gonna be another co-offensive coordinator system again but uh sanford's out um after this so or uh, as a result from black monday um but to go back to the game it was a great game guys uh it was i i was jumping up and down at home i was watching it in my living room with my uncle um and there's a scene you uh, everyone rushed the field and of course uh the troll job jump around playing <laughs> while all the fans were in the field uh that was i i i, I felt so happy um and then, of course, uh, get to see some of the pictures. Uh, I don't know who took these pictures, but they show the pictures of the seniors chopping at the uh, goalposts as well. And then I think go for video, getting them like like some like they had like a, I think it was an assistant or some or a GA holding back a Sezi or Coney Durr. <laughs> it was uh, yeah, it's Coney. It was funny because uh, Coney Durr was out in front, and then Philip Howard gets in front of him, and they back him down, and Coney's like. <laughs> Coney's like three deep of people, and he's still the first one. It was so <laughs> funny. He was like three deep on the sideline, and he still beats everybody to the X. Yep. And I will my I will note this too. Um, the seniors that play tonight that are not coming back, I think they were um, redshirt freshmen or redshirt sophomores when we last won the Axe in eighteen as well. So it was like kind of full circle for them. So mm-hmm. uh, that, that was great. Um, and now. Uh, go for sports and football did tweet the video as well they updated the, the score on it so 2021 32 uh, 23 to 13 is now on the axe and uh, I two, be- two of the last four yep and uh, i believe they're planning to chauffeur that trophy around because <laughs> i think they uh minnesota fans do miss uh that trophy oh i'm sure they will but um that's all i have about the game you guys have anything else about this victory i think we could go on about a lot of different little things that i think we did right but i think we covered the big ones all right yeah i i think when it comes to protection one of the interesting things that they did was that they um they mixed a lot of like a lot of the run looks that they have um they've been playing a lot of a lot of the run looks have been a lot of uh like zone concepts and stuff like that formation we keep going back to on the goal line is usually um, they they show they showed that against Indiana, and they ran like a like an ISO play with like zone blocking scheme out of it, 
And then against Wisconsin here on the two, they run the toss, but they run man concept blocking, which I think completely threw Wisconsin for a loop because they're crashing in expecting the ISO play because they're seeing the look that they run this zone ISO look out of. You catch him and then you catch him leaning. You've got you seal the edge and Kai walks in. Right. And I, I mean I don't blame them either because all year we've had this tendency to just run the exact same play that we know can work, mm-hmm. and that they're actually gonna go from Indiana to Wisconsin and give the same look, but actually run a different play. So if I'm Wisconsin, I probably would have prepared for that exact same thing because we're just predictable in some aspects of our offense, but obviously uh, today was, or uh, this weekend was different. So I applaud. I think, I think it was a conscious effort to have a lot more man blocking within the scheme this week, because I think with a defense that's as good as Wisconsin's defense is, uh, I think the, the calculus is, is that uh, you don't want them initiating contact. You know what I mean? Like you want to be the aggressors. You want to be getting after them when you're, when you're running these zone schemes, you're more of kind of like holding and waiting to, you know, stay in your area, so to speak. Um, but they were running a lot of man concepts in their run game and just getting downhill and smashing mouth. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. So um, to wrap up this victory recap, I do want to know a few items uh, as a result of this game being completed. The Gophers regular season is now over. Uh, our Minnesota Golden Gophers uh, have now an overall record this season at eight and four, six and three in Big Ten play. So where does that place the Gophers? So right now we are in a three-way tie in the Big Ten West with Wisconsin and Purdue. Um, so I'll go. Uh, so yay uh, for us. But I do want to go over the standings quick. So in the West, um, because of us beating Wisconsin and Iowa winning against Nebraska Friday night. Wisconsin wins the Big Ten West outright from there, and we'll be representing Iowa. the West. Iowa, my bad. Iowa will be representing the West in the Big Ten Championship game. And, of course, I said it. Wisconsin, us, and Purdue are tied for second. Uh, at fifth is the Illini, uh, who finished the season at 5-7, and 4-5 and five in conference play. Nebraska was 3-9 and nine, uh, at 1-8 and eight in conference play, and Northwestern was also at 3-9 and nine at 1-8. and eight, uh, last, I think both are tied for last place, I think. Good for them. Um, <laughs> um, but, A, Northwestern, because they're off every other year, will come back <laughs> next year. <obviously. laughs> also, uh, I think we technically finish in second because we have the tiebreakers. Correct. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that, that is correct as well. As for the Big Ten East, um, also another amazing game to see. Uh, Michigan beat the hell out of the Ohio State um, to go to 11-1 overall, 8-1 in the Big Ten East, and since beating Ohio State, they have the uh, head-to-head. Um, so Michigan will be representing the East in the Big Ten Championship. It'll be a Michigan versus Iowa game, which is actually, I think that's amazing. We don't have to see Scarlet and Gray and Red and White again in the Conference Championship. Yeah, it'll be nice. So I get to see the blue, uh, was it the blue and maize and maize and blue maize or whatever. And blue and the uh, Black and white, uh, no, black and black yellow. Black and yellow. Yeah. Uh, but Ohio State gets second. Michigan State was third. Penn State's fourth. Maryland's uh, fifth. Rutgers is uh, sixth. And Indiana's seventh. 
Um, so essentially, Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, Penn State, Maryland, Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Purdue are bowl eligible um, with Illinois and Rutgers uh, at five and seven. So they could get a chance to go, assuming um, there's not enough six and six teams or above. Um, so that's the big, quick Big Ten standing stuff. But I do want to move on and touch uh, some recent news. So uh black monday uh so we did mention it uh so i'll start with this one mike sanford uh would not be returning with the golden gophers he's the only staff member on pj's uh coaching staff that is not returning um bing bong i'm not sure anyone else i'm i hope hopefully no one else i know he had a lot to pj's known for turnover i believe i believe at least at his um the defensive backs coach coaches he, he had changeover on yeah they've had a different one every year yeah but or other, I think that's uh, defensive line. Chad Wilt, I think, is the first one to yeah to stay multiple years. Yep, along with the D line. So, um, so right now it's only OC Mike Sanford, and I know you uh, you guys fans heard earlier. We're happy about that as a group, collective group. Um, but I think for our some of our fans who don't know, I think Soup, you want to best explain why we collectively have not been a fan of Mike Sanford during his time with the Gophers since 2020 till now. Um, I think it's a combination of just like stubbornness when it comes to game planning and play calling and, um, just an unwillingness to kind of adapt away from what you think works and, and go with the game flow and what is actually working. Um, there's, there's not a lot of what you would call tendency breaker breakers in Mike Sanford's offense. <laughs> it's a lot of just vertical zone run with, you know, slot fade mixed in and, you know, deep crossers and stuff like that. You know, you're not getting, like, your bread and butter college plays of um, your RPO slants, your mesh concepts, you know, your digs, stuff like that. Like, stuff that really, really works, especially with the the personnel that the Gophers have. I think a lot of the reason you saw such a vanilla run game from... not Well, the run game is anything but vanilla. The, the Gophers did a really good job of really diversifying their run game but the problem was is that the pass game was not diverse at all and i think that's why you saw the run game that you you did this year because they leaned on their personnel that they knew they had right they're extremely deep at running back they're very experienced and talented on the offensive line and they have good run blocking tight ends and i think they just worried about their receivers executing and getting one-on-one separate separation in these uh you know developing concepts and these deeper concepts but they also never really tried to get away from it and i think that was the problem is that you never throughout the year saw any sort of adjustments when it came to mike sansford's offense it was the same thing every week from the past game and not really a lot of um deviating from it regardless of who you're playing or what the game flow was yep and i and i know you mentioned it soup but i will note as well uh mike sanford's offense while being a little bit vanilla and stubborn but also he tends to lean more towards those long developing plays making tanner do what he's not good at which is staying in the pocket as long as possible with the o-line protecting him to make those reads because remember Tanner was used to Kirk Shiraka system, a lot of RPO schemes, a lot of get the ball out fast. So then, you know, you don't force Tanner to make long decisions, essentially. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of that. That um, Well, we did see some on Saturday, right, against Wisconsin, which had been crucial yeah. for us. Um, overall, 
I, I, I will say that I feel like the game we saw last weekend, I felt like it was a more Matt Simon kind of game, like the uh, Outback Bowl from uh, 2020, um, from the 2019 season. So actually, I kind of want to segue that. Um, right now, there is no one confirmed yet on who's going to be taking over the OC duties. I'll be on a official like one OC or co-OCs for next season for the um, 2022 uh, year. Um, so I want to ask you guys, who do you think maybe are replacement or replacements uh, for that role? I just want Matt Simon. You just want to, I, I mean, so uh, sh- shout out again to my buddy Xander, who uh, has season tickets with me, also is a Gopher Illustrated member and is on the message board a lot and sends me tons of updates. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, so it it's looking like, you know, Ryan Burns is on there a ton. You know, if you don't follow Ryan Burns and you're a Gopher football fan, what are you doing? <laughs> um, but RB's on there saying basically that uh, Matt Simon's the front runner probably. And um, uh, with all the, ca- the the chaos going on in the coaching world yesterday, um, they I think that's the reason they announced they're moving on from Sanford this early is because they wanted to see if they could capitalize on the chaos at all and see if they could pull away, you know, a talented OC who lost their head coach of some sort. Um, But, like, one of the cool little inside scoops that uh, Burns has given out behind the paywall there, Gopher Illustrated, is that uh, Jacob Knuth, who's the incoming uh, QB recruit, supposed to be pretty good, was a Mike Sanford recruit. And they sent Matt Simon out there to go talk to him. So they sent Matt Simon because they still want Knuth. I mean, he's, he's, a good, he's a good recruit. He's a great prospect. And uh, Kansas State is trying to get in there and pull him away from the Gophers where he's currently committed as of right now. And Matt Simon was the one they sent to go, you know, talk to him and let him know that everything's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. Thanks for the details there, Soup. Um, for me, um, I'm actually pretty open. After seeing, uh, I again, uh, in the coach currently current coaching world, of course, Lincoln Riley is moving on to USC. Brian Kelly is moving on to LSU. So it's go as like a hot coach, coaching search right now. Uh, also, uh, for our older Gopher fans, Jerry Kill has been confirmed. It's been hired by. New Mexico State. So we'll be facing the Aggies for our first game of the season, which is their second game of the season. Um, so we'll be playing against Jerry Kill. Yep. Uh, that should be uh, interesting. I can't uh, wait for all the memes that are like, <laughs> I'll never set foot in the stadium again. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think for me, um, I have no qualms. Like I'm all for uh, if Matt Simon was promoted to full OC. I think if we do do that, I think Matt Simon will still stay strictly with the receivers like he's always done, because mm-hmm. he that's his that's his bread and butter, and we'll hire our own Q, like a separate QB coach, um, to help develop our Q, quarterbacks. Yeah. So, um, um, on that, the the insider info on that is that um, if you were to go with what's what's considered the chalk right now in the building is. Uh, Simon to OC, staying with the wide receivers, and Clay Patterson moving from tight ends coach yes. to QB coach 
and passing game coordinator. Yes, and I did want to preface something about Patterson because, I again, I'm down with Simon, but I do want to mention Patterson's experience prior to coming to the U or mm-hmm. to D1. Yeah. He was, I think, was he in junior college or Division two or three somewhere in that caliber? Where he, he was a JUCO head coach in uh, Oklahoma. Yep, and he uh, – and also um, I'll OC somewhere as well, but he produced very high-power offenses and coached quarterbacks during his uh, – before yeah. coming to the Gophers. So um, I'm not surprised I think by that'd that. be really interesting. Yeah. Um, so, I'm again, I'm all for internal promotion uh, and just find a new yeah. tight ends coach uh, as well. But uh, over, mm-hmm. overall, I'm down for internal. But if there is someone externally – um, outside of you know PJ's and Greg Schiano's circle, right? Because you know obviously sure. PJ is from Greg Schiano's um, line of coaches, or uh, maybe some of Jim Trestle, because our DB coach currently on the Gophers was under Jim Trestle when PJ was a GA. But mm-hmm. I'd say if there is a OC candidate that is has been known to get these high a high powered RPO style offense with a good run game and you know, limit the quarterback's mistakes, I'll be for, down for that as well. I, I just don't know any names externally that would come to mind. Um, I don't know who was it. Uh, some Nebraska fans are like, oh, let's hire Dan Mullen as our OC. I'm like, bitch, he's not going to come to Nebraska to OC for Scott Frost. Yeah, are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah what? So uh, – I don't know if Dan Mullen. Ah, uh, Nebraska consider, fans. Yeah, but I don't like again. I don't think Dan Mullen will consider an OC position in D one. I think he'll go to like a lower D one school, or FCS, coach well there, and then move on. But that, but I digress. But I think I I'm down for any option. But I I do see the internal promotions as we were talking so far mm-hmm. as being the likely action for PJ and his dad and just find a new tight ends coach. Yeah, I would agree, and I think part of the calculus there is that. Um, you're getting Tanner back. You're getting Mo back. Who knows who we're going to get back on the offensive line, but potentially you could bring back, you know, JMS and Blaze, which would be huge. And then you've got other experienced guys like Axel Rushmeyer and Nathan Bow back there, right? So I think the idea is, is that conceptually you don't want to change the offense too much from what they know because – you want to maximize this window with your personnel and really make a run at the Big Ten West again next year if you're returning most of the same guys. Now, I think the biggest problem they're going to have in the offseason is a, addressing the talent in the receiver room because I think we saw at times this year is basically Chris or bust when it came to getting separation and big plays out of your receivers. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. Yeah, um, I don't know. I think that's it on the OC side of things. Anything else on that major development? Going once, going twice, sold. All right, next up, uh, boys, we have a very lengthy transfer portal uh, action that happened on Monday and today, uh, and they may change in the coming days as well. But to start off, I'm just going to start off from position group-wise and go down, okay? So let's start off. Uh, so two names have entered the transfer portal for the quarterbacks. Uh, quarterbacks, Zach Anikstead, who uh, for our fans, uh, if they recall, Zach Anikstead uh, won the starting job back in 2018. 
played about six to seven games that season before getting sidelined with injury and Tanner took over. Um, moving on, of course, to find starting time and uh, another quarterback of three four-star prospect from Texas uh, was Jacob Clark, who has put his name on the transfer portal um, as well. So the only remaining scholarship quarterbacks on the roster directly is Tanner Morgan, Cole Kramer, and Ethan uh, uh, Kalik-McManus um, is left. Along, of course, Jacob uh, Newth, uh, who is currently um, a commit for us but hasn't signed his letter of intent yet uh, next month. But he could be our fourth quarterback, uh, scholarship quarterback on the roster um, for 2022. So any notes or comments about our two quarterbacks uh, that are transferring out? Or that's I in think the portal, the, my bad. I, I think the big thing is I don't blame him for at least looking. Yeah. The, um, I understand Zach. He's been a starter even if it was for six games. But he wants playing time. I mean – I mean, that's just what you're going to get when you and have... And capable of it, too. Yep. Exactly. And I will note this as well. I don't know if you guys saw their Twitter posts about their um, letters, like or like their letters to the fan base and their teammates and the coaches and the fans about their departure to enter the transfer portal. All, all the players that did that, very, very classy letters mm-hmm. to us. Like, if you, if, you, if you just saw, like, you know, some of the players that did not do that, like, you know, I'll, I I don't want to put it on the bus, but Cam Wiley and Curtis Donald, they didn't do that. At least I didn't notice them doing that. But the mm-hmm. ones that waited out for the end of the season, let the season go, and then did do that, uh, kudos to them. Great, well-written letters by all the players that did that at the on Black Monday, Tuesday. Um, but, yes, I do agree. Uh, Zach, um, I'm more hurt by that because if Tanner goes down, we've lost essentially someone who has the most experience outside of Cole. Um, but then Jacob, I understand that too. Like he's when Tanner co- when he came back, I know why I know this as well off off air, prior to the podcast that when Tanner said he came back, we're we're bound to lose guys either way. Um, so yeah, that's that's yeah. The room that's, was just gonna be too crowded. Yep. So that's uh, my thoughts on that uh, with the two guys leaving. But again, we still have again a stable guy in Tanner, but. Uh, and then, of course, Cole Kramer, who is, is our wildcat package. And I will say, has thrown good pa- has thrown some touchdown passes this season. I will say that. Yeah. Yeah, I think from what I've read, again, on the message board, um, it it, lo- it kind of sounds like they think Ethan needs, like, one, one more year to really hone it down. Um, and I think, you know, maybe he'll fall into that backup role between him and Cole Kramer, I think they'll kind of duke it out for that two spot on the roster. And then Knuth will probably redshirt if he does sign his letter. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else on the quarterbacks? You good? Cool. So running backs uh, right now, the only one transferring or as in the transfer portal is Cam Wiley. Um, he was in there since I think two, a third of the way through the season. I remember if I remember correctly, um, but confirmed returning is Mo Ibrahim, Kai Thomas, Bucko, and um, right now TBDs, I think, is Bryce Williams and Trey Potts. Um, both players also suffered season-ending injuries this past season. Um, any news on that or any comments on that, guys? No, tra- um, besides only Cam being the transfer portal candidate from that. Group. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean. Cam was just getting pushed down the death chart by talent. That's, you know, that is what it is. Um, 
I think when it comes to Bryce and Trey, um, I just hope both of them get healthy. I can see, I could see a scenario where a guy like Trey might retire medically, no matter how good he is, because he's just had so many injuries, and he's such a young kid, and his body's already so beat up. You know, I, I would hate to see something like that. And you know, Bryce Williams too is kind of in the same boat there of just having a lot of injuries for young players and. Um, I think they both have big decisions to make when you look at the death chart as well. Um, but, you know, I whatever decision they make, you know, at least you know the staff um, is very open to helping these kids, you know, f if they do decide to transfer, of helping them find, you know, their next place or, you know, um, just allowing, you know, just um, they've taken care of both of those players during the season. And I think... Um, I just hope they get healthy, mainly. That's what I'm saying. All right. Um, the next group is the wide receivers. So we actually have a crowded room at wide receiver guys uh, that's on scholarship. So right now, uh, the only one that's in the transfer portal is Dylan Hillard McGill, who was a true freshman this past season. Um, graduating is Clay, Clear uh, Clay Geary. Um, and as for, I think those that's, so far, as we know, they're staying is Crab, Daniel Jackson, Mike Brown Stevens, Dalen Wright, uh, Peter Adoybook, uh, Douglas Emelian, Jonathan Mann, Lamecki Brockington, Brady, and Brady Boyd um, is uh, your remaining uh, scholarship receivers. Um, and I will say this uh, this is an opinion of mine, and I've been seeing this on Twitter and on Daily Gopher uh, message boards. I don't ex I, I expect at least another one or two wide receivers to probably go for the portal um, with the amount of talent ahead of them. I'm just worried that because I think Crab has one more year eligibility and I think he's coming back. Um, so it's going to be a crowded room to get a starting spot, at least in the first four positions at receiver. Um, but yeah, any comments or notes on that? It looks like they also have... One, two commits incoming as well. Mm -hmm. Yep. The, the Gophers are like finally becoming an old team on the block. Not just, oh, we're young. We're PJ's young team. Like it's, <laughs> it's an interesting change and like very welcome. Even though like we are losing some guys to the transfer portal, but like, yeah, we're an older team now. That's what happens when you have a successful program. Is you're just gonna you're gonna lose out on people, and it is what it is. It's an I, unfortunate, thing, yeah. but it's like very. I don't even want to say it's a good thing, but it's. It, it's, I, it's I'd say it's the nature of the current climate of college football. Like if this was like ten years ago, it it would have been very very different, obviously. But with the current climate of college football, I'd say this is healthy. It's reasonable to expect guys in the transfer portal as that is what it's available to or, or how it's done now. But I'd say we're still bringing back a good amount of talent back as well. So, you know, we may have, I think, seven to ten guys in the portal right now, but it's not too bad for 120 scholarships available for those players. So yeah, I would also not be surprised if they target uh, both receiver and tight end in the transfer market themselves. Yeah, like Dalen Wright last season and was a contributor this season as well. But um, next up, uh, 
looks like they combine tight end and fullback into one here from Daily Gopher, which I don't mind. But uh, so transfer in the transporter is Austin Henderson. I believe Austin is a redshirt tight end, redshirt freshman or sophomore tight end. Um, essentially, I think he's leaving because he's been pushed on the depth chart. Uh, graduating is Coquift, and I believe Bryce Witham medically retired prior to the season. Um, so returning obviously is our boy Brevin Span Ford, number eighty-eight. And then behind him, give give the man the football. I know. <laughs> uh, behind him is Namdi uh, Adiam Madubudir or Madubunir Mir, and Jameson Gears is left at tight end. Uh, for that, I think they had a tight end transfer. Now that I think of it, give me a second. That's what I thought too, but uh, I'm just going off of what Daily Gopher is and correlating that to the Gopher Sports website, unless I missed something. But yeah, right now, as far as, far as we know, uh, Brevin, Namdi, and Jameson are left at tight end. Um,. Then for O-line, um, so graduating is uh, Connor Olson and Sam Schluter, who have exhausted all their years of eligibility with the program. Uh, and I will note this, Connor Olson's leaving as uh, a record-breaking, how many starts? 58 starts, 57 starts at offensive line in the Big Ten, surpassing Billy Price now being first place, I think. I think that sounds right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, confirmed Daniel Fialele accepted an invitation to the Senior Bowl. So we will be losing our um, right tackle, uh, Daniel Fialele, uh, to the draft. Um, I know Wyatt is not going to be happy about this. Wyatt was hoping he'd stay for one more season. To Absolutely not. He should not stay. <laughs> he yeah. should go. But, uh, that He's going to test so well. Yeah, that's Wyatt's opinion. But mine is like, uh, kudos to Daniel. Um sticking it out especially you know when he opted out last year i thought when he opted out i thought he's gonna forgo his last season and just go straight to the draft but he came back this year um and just improved the stock and his, and his capabilities and also he slimmed down too like he was 400 pounds when he first came here dropped on the 380 uh so he was more like he lost weight to be stronger and more and you know more agile and i think it helped him this season and then um still tbd uh i believe John Michael Schmidt and uh, Blaze Andrews are still up in the air. I hope they return, right, Sue? But still no word on yep. those two. And then I Us. believe in the portal or someone leaving early is Austin Byer as well. I, know, I think he's a senior. Um, but uh, so those returning, uh, I, it's, this is going to hurt a bit because of some new names we not recognize. Uh, obviously, Axel Rushmeyer uh, and Nathan Bowe, who has some starting time. Uh, in the last couple of years, at least this year or last year. Um, then Carter Shaw, Tyler Cooper, J.J. Gaudet, Ariante Arisi, Martez Lewis, Terrell Lawrence, Cameron James, Logan Purcell, and Saya Mapakaitolo um, are also a scholarship O-lineman on our roster right now. Um, and I believe... Soup, you mentioned it. Axel Rushmeyer is a special teamer offensive lineman, and Nathan Bowe has been on some of the packages we have too. Like, I think both Axel and Nathan were on that uh, eight lineman package. Yep. On the you had uh, you had Rushmeyer lined up as a fullback. Yep. So, um, if I'm being quite honest, looking ahead to next year, we're gonna have a very young O line. Um, I'd say, but that's just me. <laughs> 
I mean, Rushmeyer's a redshirt senior. Uh, so, I mean, he's old. I, I hope Blaze comes back to break Connor Olsen's record. That would be <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, that'd be perfect. Um, uh, like Ariante Ursay is uh, going to be a pretty good player, I think. Yeah. Um, I think that's a name to watch out for. Please, as Blaze and John come back, or at least one of you, at least Blaze, so that we can have at least one solid guy in the O-line to keep these guys in shape. <laughs> yeah. One known quantity. Yep. Um, but would you guys be surprised, though, if we hit the portal for that position, though? Or not? Um, I think you have enough depth there. And I think, and you have more players coming in as well. Um, I mean, just looking right now, they have how many offensive linemen on on this roster? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Looks like yep, a bit of guys, uh, including fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Looks like you have nineteen offensive linemen on the roster, plus. Recruits coming in next year, you have uh, one, two, two more coming in. So. Mm-hmm. So that plenty wraps, of depth. Yeah, plenty of depth. But I'd say that's pretty much uh, it for the transfer portal side and those returning and not returning on the offensive side of the ball. Um, then let's hit up defense quickly here. So defensive end, leaving early, uh, Boyamante and Asezi uh, Atomero have ex also accepted invitations to the Senior Bowl. So guys, that's three players accepted and invited to the Senior Bowl, which is the highest uh, we've had in program history for quite a long time. Um, so I I'm, I'm surely going to miss Boye and Asezi, but they were great players for us um, in their time here. Uh, then in the portal side of things, uh, MJ Anderson put his name into the portal, I believe, um, the, like right when Monday started. And then uh, staying so far is Thomas Rush, Gage Keys, Ja Joyner, Danny Strigo, Jalen Logan Redding, and Austin Booker at the end. Um, then Achi I'll, I'll, I'll and uh, defensive tackle as well. Transferring is Rashad Cheney Jr., but graduating is Niles Pickney, Val Martin, and Michael Dutreadway. With uh, those still remaining is Trill Carter, Logan Richter, Devin Eastern, Luther McCoy, and Jacob Schuster um, returning on the defensive tackle side. So that's your D-line there. Uh, leaving, staying, um, or um, uh, out eligibility. Anything on the D-line, guys? Um, I mean, obviously, Boye, that hurts. I liked his versatility. Um, Sezi loved him too, but I mean, we have so we. I remember talking about it last year a little bit when we had our uh, signing day. Like I know Soup and I were both super high on Ja Joiner. Um, I think once he's experienced enough, um, he will fill in just fine. Yep, and while we're talking about the D-line, so you have Boye Mafe leading the way this year in both sacks and tackles for loss. Six sacks, nine tackles for loss. Who do you think is second in sacks? On just the line? On all of defense. All of defense. Mm -hmm. 
was a Mariano. Anyone else? I was just going to say Givens. I was going to say Mariano. It's Thomas Rush with five and a half sacks. Thomas Rush? I did not think about that. And so Boye's got nine tackles for loss. Your next closest has seven and a half, and that is Thomas Rush again. Damn. I know I judged the, I, I know I judged Thomas Rush badly last season in 2020, but you go, boy, you go. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's something that's something to be excited about. Definitely not what I expected looking over the stats here, um, but definitely made me you know pick up an eyebrow. And um, he's been a he's been a really good player for them. He's very quick off the edge. He's long. Uh, I think he might need to get a little stronger at the point of the uh, point of attack to defend the run better. But I mean, that's exactly what we said about Boye last mm-hmm. year, and and he did that and more this year. So, um, you know, Chad Wilt, I'm sure is on it, and uh, it'll be really interesting. I think to see Thomas Rush next year. Yeah, I'm excited now that you mentioned it. Um, anything else? I I will say though, I'm gonna miss some of the guys that have been helping us on the on the tackle side of it, like. I know Niles Pickney was essentially a, a, a one-year rental for us, but Niles was a great force in the interior. He was awesome. uh, mm-hmm. I know Micah was a transfer from Notre Dame who had a few years of eligibility left. Was also been pretty solid. I know he's been getting better year after year. So seeing the progression where for Micah was great, and then Val Martin, um, I, he hasn't played much, but he has been there well for spotty rotations. I think he's transferring too. Uh, I, it says you're graduating. Um, I think it's only Rashad Cheney. In the portal, sure. yeah, and MJ Anderson, yep, and, and, and MJ, but um, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do with that uh, inside like nose spot next year. Yeah, I'm curious too. Um, but then again, I won't be surprised though. PJ has been and his staff been notorious to get D tackles transfers. Um, yeah. Lately, um, as well, like Niles Pickney is an example. Micah Dutreadway, I think OJ, um, a couple seasons prior, a few seasons mm-hmm. ago, actually. So that won't surprise me. On the, at least get one guy in the D line. Um, going up ahead, linebackers. Uh, graduating is Jack Gibbons, who was also a one-year transfer for us, but he was a he was a great linebacker for us to line up alongside Mariano. Uh, transferring is James Gordon, the fourth, I believe. Um, yes, and then. Staying, as far as we know, uh, they haven't confirmed anything yet, but Mariano Story Marin, Braylon Oliver, Donald Willis, Josh Oon, Derek LeCaptain, who switched the running back this season, uh, Cody Lindenberg, uh, Jaquandis Burns, Lucas Fennessy, and Devin Williams are your linebackers. Um, and I think Mariano is staying along with Braylon. And uh, Donald Willis has been good on the rotation too. Like I think, I think Donald was the one that had a major hit uh, to stop the run or catch during the game against Wisconsin too. Like when he when 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 he was rotated into the game. I think that was Braylon because I I think uh, Braylon had his best game of the season against Wisconsin. No, both Braylon and Oliver or, or Donald both had great <laughs> games, uh, a great game. But um, but yes, we do have a pretty deep linebacker room as well. Um. And and I hope Mariano stays because I think he's been the key cog in that defense, like you know, lining guy, lining guys up, getting the communication out to the uh, his his teammates, uh, the ten guys on the field with him. But uh, if we lose him, oh, I'm gonna be so sad. <laughs> but 
if, if Mario stays, more happier. But um, anything on the linebackers for you guys? Uh, Jaquandis Burns. I'd like to see him take a step. All right. Anyone else? Cool. All right. So I'm going to lump the defensive backs together, boys. So uh, graduating um, is Tony Durr, Philip Howard, Justice Harris, and Calvin Swenson. Uh, no transfers on the portal. Uh, as for returning players, Justin Wally, Terrell Smith, Stephen Ortiz Jr., Solomon Brown, Miles Fleming, Jalen Glaze, Victor Pless, uh, Jordan Howden, Tyler Newbin, Michael Dixon, and Darius Green um, in the defensive back room. That's uh, so far as we're aware of is returning, uh, or they haven't confirmed if they're leaving or not. So, uh, Obviously, happy Justin Wally is staying. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> uh, this, uh, the guy is great. Um, and actually, I'm surprised that Jordan Howden was out uh, was still left. I think he's still eligibility. I think for one more year. I was surprised that he didn't decide to leave. But other than that, um, yeah, Howden was solid. It'll be nice to keep him around on the back end, have some experience there. Yep. Uh, anything else on our DBs here? Justin Wally show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, to recap everything, um, leaving or hitting the portal so far is Anikstad, Clark, Wiley, McGill, Henderson, Gordon, Anderson, and Cheney, um, along with Fa Lele, uh, uh, Bayer, Mafe, Otomewo, and still TBD on Andrews and, and uh, John Michael Schmitz, or at least that side. Um, and for sure expect some names for PJ and the staff to pick up in the transfer portal for signing day as well. Um, I believe that's all I have to cover guys. Uh, anything else you want to like any hot takes or any discussion points you want to bring up before we wrap up the podcast? Uh, really quick. It looks like um, Jerry kill is given a quote saying he thinks he'll get booed in his return to Minnesota for the 2022 season opener. Uh, he's eager for his chance to play, though. It says, I want to show people that, hey, you counted the old man out. You're wrong. I'm back. Which, uh, mm. if I remember correctly, he counted not really himself out. <laughs> because I believe he retired. Um, yes, before the Michigan game. <sighs> yeah, he collapsed on the field, retired, left, um, supported sexual assailants, and then joined a different team. If my memory serves. He did yeah, Rutgers so. uh, when Chris Ash was still the head coach and then went to work at TCU. And what started, a ride. Yeah. To be honest, I just think he's just a bitter old man, guys. I like, mean, I think he's he's just one. I think Well, I think that's part of it. But I think also he's just one of like, I think he's just one of those guys that's like, I will put a chip on my shoulder no matter what you do. Like, he's just, you know, looking for, quote-unquote, bulletin board material for just, like, anything, which is, like, I don't know, it's kind of weird. Yeah, I can just already see the headlines trying to drum up some stuff between him and PJ, and PJ won't be stoking any of the flames. It's going to be all of the media and then oh, kill. Oh, you know it. The media is going to have a field day uh, when the game get, when the, when the, when the week uh, or, like, the month the game happens or is scheduled to happen, so... Yeah. The media, PJ's going to keep it professional uh, as he's oh, always P done. I think, I think PJ will keep it professional uh, outside of the locker room. Let's put it that way. 
Yes. Oh, 100%. <laughs> I think inside the locker room, there's going to be a lot of, uh, you guys seeing this shit? <laughs> like, <laughs> wait, actually, now that I think about it, none of this, none of the kills players are left, right? Uh, like they they should be all gone with like Carter recruits Co- like Car- like Carter Coughlin's class. Uh, that class with... was the last class. And Let then, me go look. And then Connor, oh Connor Olson was also part of that. Yeah. Uh, guy, one of the few guys that stayed. What from... year was that? Twenty sixteen. Sixteen, yeah. I wonder if you can like maybe count anyone who was with Clay's. Uh, Peter did not keep anyone's staff on Clay's staff though. Uh, I coach... think players. Coach, yeah, like players. Yeah, coach. Uh, Sam Schluter. Sam Schluter. Schluter is graduating though. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, co- no coaches have, are staying. Players are mostly going to be gone. Um, I think this is it because it's Coney Durr. Philip Howard. Co. Co. Connor Olson and Schluter. Schluter, yeah. Yeah, I think. Jerry Kill's guys are gone after this year, too. So, Because yeah, was 2017 Clay's then, recruiting class? No, 16 was Clay's. 17 was PJ. Yeah, because 17's uh, PJ's first year, and then you get... Yep. Mm-hmm. You got Blaze. You got Crab. You got John Michael Schmitz. Mm-hmm. Mo Ibrahim. Tanner. Justice Harris. Who yep. else is on here? Yep. Boy- so... Boye. Wow, this is a fun so, class. So, it's so I don't think uh, any of the players that were recruited and coached by Kill or Clay's would be butthurt, I think. So I think PJ is going to use his fuel for his team in the locker room. <laughs> I mean, I honestly hope Kill doesn't even get booed. Like, I just want it to be a football game, if I'm oh, being... He'll get booed. He'll definitely <laughs> get booed. I know he will get booed. I'm just saying, I kind of hope he doesn't. I want to just have it be... Like it's a different athletics regime now with Coil at the helm. We're not having our issues with within the athletic department. We're we're past that now. It's five years later. Yeah, um, yeah just like you're irrelevant. You're not worth the booing. Yeah, exactly. But it, it'll happen anyway because it it is what it is. But yeah. Um, actually, uh, that so they only announced. Jerry Kill as head coach. They haven't announced his assistant set, right? For that? I haven't seen anything. So I'm curious if he's going to bring a good chunk of his former Minnesota staff with him. Get the band back together? I think Clay's <laughs> is out of the job. He was at Washington State after getting fired from Minnesota. Um, but he got let go by Mike Leach, I think, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the, I think the O-line coach is not... I don't think he'll be returning because he went on to go with another Big Ten program, like I think Michigan, I believe. Um, so potentially, maybe Jerry does bring his his band back together, but I don't know because he did spend a good chunk of time over in Rutgers with Chris Ash's staff, and then of course, obviously with um, uh, Gary Patterson's staff at TCU. So we'll see on that, but I won't be surprised if he does bring his band back together, but. Uh, what, but when they do show up for our season opener on Thursday night, uh, it's going to be the Gophers taking on the Aggies, and I'm going to take the Gophers on top of them, and we're going to win that game for our home opener for the fans and our, and our freshmen coming in. I'll leave at that because, <laughs> like Griffin, Griffin said it best, Jerry Kill ain't worth at least my time to complain about. I'm just going to have a field day on the podcast next season <laughs> in that narrative. 
Um, but yes, Jerry Kill is back in the in the head coaching world. Um, I will note this: uh, Have you guys seen the stuff on Twitter about Brian Kelly uh, essentially like blowing <laughs> yeah. off Notre Dame to go like, to LSU? I was like, oh, I wonder who who was a coach that left for Notre Dame and left us uh, <laughs> to pursue that opportunity. Oh wait, Lou Holtz. Yeah, that worked out for him, though, I'd say. Yeah, it, it did. Um, and then also, my uh, my uncle, who was a fan back then, noted this, too. In his contract, if Notre Dame ever offered Lou Holtz, it was okay to leave, essentially. Uh, I'm, I'm glad my uncle prefaced that. So I'm, uh, I know some Gopher fans were so salty about that and just setting shade over to Notre Dame fans. And then I think similar to um, Sooner fans as well. And I believe Bob Stoops is going to be coaching in the interim, too, if you guys haven't heard. Uh, Bob Stoops. Who's the still, return of the king. Yeah, he. <laughs> and I think he's still doing big noon kickoff for the Big Ten Championship this upcoming Saturday and his other uh, stuff, too, outside of coaching. But he is going to be the interim head coach until they can find a replacement. As Lincoln Riley heads on to USC. But, yeah, what a blast in the coaching world, guys. <laughs> what about Lincoln Riley? Yeah. I know. Didn't he t- is he is he is he taking a bunch of recruits with him too, uh, or is that not? Yeah, correct? That, there's been that QB just committed today. That like no yeah, there's been a bunch there. of people decommitting. Well, it's been kind of interesting because they had when he was still the head coach at Oklahoma, he had a bunch of like four or five star recruits from Southern California committing to Oklahoma, and it's like, well, that kind of says something. Well, the QB's s- already committed to to USC to follow him. They had, like, the number one QB in this cycle. And he decommitted from Oklahoma and committed to uh, USC in, like, less than 24 hours. And then I will note this as well. Um, I know, Soup, you didn't like this particular quarterback, uh, but it made news lines anyway. Uh, Spencer Rattler also entered the portal um, as well. <laughs> um... Other than that, the quarterback that replaced him, though, was better. I will say that. <laughs> uh, let's yeah, see. Yeah, Caleb Williams. Yep. Mm-hmm. Have you heard the details of Lincoln Riley's deal? No, I have not. Oh, it's absurd. I don't Hun- blame him for taking it. Yeah, $110 million. Woo! USC is buying both his homes in Norman for 500000 over the asking price, so essentially a million-dollar signing bonus. And they bought him a $6 million house in L.A. And his family gets 24-7 use for the USC of the jet, jet. Of the jet, yeah. Jeez. USC down bad for Lincoln Riley. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it. Uh, did you did you see all, like, his, what he said, like, how it transpired? He was like, oh, like, the game ended, and they just, USC, as they were searching for a coach for the past two months, just happened to contact him Saturday night and had the deal on a Zoom call f- finalized, like, Sunday morning. Like, that did not happen in the span of 12 hours, no, dude. That, that, like, that, <laughs> that, that had to happen over the two-month span. Because I remember people quoted this, too. He shot down the news of his uh, of possibly filling the LSU vacancy, but no one ever asked him about USC. And I love the story of how people are like, he, I don't, I, and I, I, I think I kind of agree. I don't think he was down for Oklahoma to join the SEC. Um, 
yeah, what is he gonna, you know, underachieve in Oklahoma just to get kicked around by Saban every year? Come yeah. On. <laughs> so I don't blame him for leaving, and and I I, I will say this, and Bob Stoops actually quoted his best. I, I'm a I'm a Bob Stoops fan. Um, more recently after seeing on Big Noon Kickoff, uh, but I think he said a best when he because he quote like he when he, like, to paraphrase he came in 98 oklahoma was nowhere like you know a bottom of the barrel program got him back to go back bowling win championships um, and being a powerhouse program again and stoops has said said his best we're going to be okay oklahoma is going to be okay let your ad and the university find your replacement i will handle things in the interim and then once that's done um i'm out but uh, but Stoops said it best. I think Oklahoma fans are just overreacting. I know it's not great news, but I think he said it best. They're gonna be fine. Um, well, yeah, they'll be okay. I yeah. thought it was really funny. I saw a tweet from I think it was Sports Center or maybe ESPN College Football that uh, Lincoln Riley. Yeah, here it is. Uh, Lincoln uh, USC football tweeted today a quote from Lincoln Riley that said, "This is going to be the mecca of college football." And then Isaiah Thomas, who's currently a defensive lineman for Oklahoma, replied to the tweet and said he told us this last week. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. Not have great, you seen Bob. All the, oh, yeah. Have you seen all the tweets from, like, the campus? There's just, like, traitor signs everywhere. And in other just... news, uh, Urban Meyer shot down news of going back to college football. As well. So that's confirmed, then. That's definitely happening. <laughs> mm. Hey, Notre Dame, what's up? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think I was, it no- it. I, was it Notre Dame that people were linking him to? I mean, that's the only one left, right? Yeah. I just... It's either him or, like, Luke Fickle, right? <laughs> yeah. Would you guys think... Actually, question. I know uh, Cincy is number four, but... Do you guys think Luke Fickle will leave Cincinnati after the season? Or not? I don't I don't I don't know. It's tough because like this is I mean it's kind of the dream scenario for them this year with the the way the playoffs shaking out. And in their conference it's gonna be really hard for them to consistently be considered a top four team. So I think I think if the college football playoff doesn't expand in the off season, there's a there's a there's a better chance he leaves, but I think if it doesn't, if it does expand to eight or twelve teams, I think there's more incentive for these coaches in like your you know group of five conferences to to stick around and just play play well because I think they feel like they'll have a better chance of being recognized. To be honest, I think he might leave um, no matter what. Um, wouldn't surprise me if he's the guy to go to Norman or to I'd say maybe Notre Dame. Um, I mean, if either if if either of those places, you know, back up the Brinks truck, it's hard to say no. Yeah, <sighs> bring the moolah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't see him like the only way in my mind that he would for sure stay would be them straight up switching conferences, and that's not gonna happen. Yeah, like overnight, because yeah. he he obviously like has bigger dreams than Cincinnati, than what Cincinnati has potential for at the moment. Just, like, with with the hand they've been dealt in their conference. Like, they were lucky this year they were able to play a, a good Notre Dame team and, like, prove them that way and then just wipe the floor the, west, the rest of the season, which, like, finally got them noticed. Yep. Yep. 
It's not going to happen every year. It looks like Griffin's getting ready for a wild game, I think, or a hockey game. <laughs> Is that right, Griffin? Yes, sir. All right, so let's wrap this up. Uh, <laughs> one more thing. Uh, I want to ask you guys this round off a, a name. This Saturday is the Big Ten Championship, Iowa versus Michigan. Give me the team that you want to win. Go. Michigan. Michigan. Go blue. Michigan. (laughs) It would would depend. Like, if it was Purdue, I'd honestly cheer for Purdue just because it would be nice just to have a team in the West. Oh, but, you know, we're talking Iowa, so, you know, screw them. Yeah, I'm no all one... for the Big Ten imploding on themselves every year, but I do not want Iowa. We can't <laughs> let race. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So, uh, everyone, thank you so much. Uh, for, first of all, you guys, the crew, for today, for the more longer podcast than usual. Thank you to our listeners and viewers listening to us uh, today as of Tuesday the 30th or tomorrow. Uh, January, uh, December 1st, Wednesday. But thank you so much for joining us for this 2021 regular season. Uh, rough plan is we may come back once they announce the bowl games uh, next upcoming Sunday. Um, but we may not. But if not, uh, we'd like to wish you all the best. Have a very fun, safe, and great holiday season. And uh, we hope to return soon for more podcasting up ahead, either be the bowl game stuff or postseason or spring game. But other than that, thank you for your time. Have a great time of your own, and we'll see you all next time. And again, I'm one of your hosts, Jason O, along with Griffin Most, Keegan Bunker, and Soup. And we'll see you all next time. And oh.